Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Dr. Dawson Church today. And let me just tell you, today is going to be epic. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be good vibes. It's going to allow you to really leapfrog not only the competition, but the vision that you have for yourself. And let me tell you, there's nothing more profound than the vision you have for yourself, right? Whether it's conscious or subconscious, We've got to understand what do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe is possible? And how can we tap into the most powerful tool that the universe has ever seen, which is our mind? And let me just tell you, I am pumped. I'm excited. Are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt today is that day. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. Of course, we have got a top expert in the world, in the mind and in the brain and neuroscience and neurobiology and all of these amazing things, because today is going to be an epic day. This is for leaders, entrepreneurs and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. Of course, you know, beyond is what it's all about. It's about the outcomes. It's about what real estate allows you to do as a vehicle. And it's about really living at the highest level. It's about expanding beyond the potential that you could have ever imagined for yourself. That is what Elevate's all about. We will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, the insights, and so much more from an individual like Dr. Dawson Church so that you can elevate to a life without limits, so that you can elevate others around you, so that you can create anything that you want in your life. And let me tell you, you were born for that. You were born to step into abundance. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through personal mastery, through real estate investing, other ventures, and most importantly, in their lives. If you are enjoying Elevate, first of all, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I want to encourage you to subscribe if you have not done so already or follow. Uh, I, know, I know that... Uh, Apple Podcast is now saying follow instead of subscribe. So either way, we invite you to follow and subscribe to Elevate Podcast. Give us a rating and review. It's very helpful for us. Share with a friend, whether it's on social media or just through a text message, you can grab the link really easily through whatever podcast app you're listening to. Or if you're listening on YouTube, grab that link, share that and pay it forward because this is an abundance mentality community and Elevate Nation. We're so grateful for you. The goal here is to live a life that we are fulfilled by rather than one that we tolerate. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I was a corporate employee, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that background. But when I was a corporate employee, I learned through years of kind of low level suffering that I was really tolerating my life. And so if you want to live a life of fulfillment, what we talk about on this show is really how to do that and really who you need to become to do that and giving you the tools and tactics and the strategies the habits and really putting it all on autopilot by stepping into a new identity. That's what Elevate is all about. And so I want to encourage you to share this with others. And I want to encourage you as well, if you want to really transform as an individual, go visit elevatecoachingacademy.com. That's elevatecoachingacademy.com. Coach Trevor McGregor and myself uh, have put on this program because we both are former corporate W2 9 to 5 employees 
and we needed to transform. We needed to change our life if we wanted to have financial freedom, if we wanted to have time freedom, if we wanted to have anything near the freedom to impact other people, the freedom to be where we wanted to be when we wanted to be there, the freedom to choose new relationships. We did not have that. Let me just tell you, we did not have that when we were in our corporate you know, uh, endeavors. And let me tell you that we have made transformations. We want to give that to you as well. We understand the challenges that arise when you're kind of running that uphill battle of the rat race. So we want to allow you to really transform. So go over there to elevatecoachingacademy.com to check out the free masterclass. You will learn exactly what it's all about, but you will also get massive value from that for free. So go check that out right now, elevatecoachingacademy.com. And uh, we invite you to check that out and enjoy and get the massive value. Make sure you take notes. But with all that said, uh, I want to dive into this awesome conversation with Dr. Dawson Church, who is an award-winning science writer with three best-selling books to his credit. He's also a PhD. He wrote the book, The Genie in Your Genes, which is at yourgeniusgene.com. He was also his first book to demonstrate that emotions drive gene expression. He also wrote Mind to Matter, which is at mindtomatter.com. That showed that the brain creates much creates much of what we think of as objective reality, which is going to be amazing to really dive into. Excuse me, Bliss Brain, which is at blissbrain.com, demonstrates that peak mental states rapidly remodel the brain for happiness. You know we're going to be talking about that one. Dawson has conducted dozens of clinical trials and founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare, which is at niih.org, to promote the groundbreaking new treatments. Its largest program, the Veterans Stress Project, has offered free treatment to over 20,000 veterans with PTSD over the last decade. Dawson also shares how to apply these health and performance breakthroughs through EFT Universe, EFTUniverse.com, one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. So with all this said, you know, you need to buckle up. Just if you feel that right now, all I can say is put your seatbelt on because today is going to be epic. Today is going to be transformative if you allow it to be for yourself. So I want you to, I want to encourage you to pay full attention, enjoy this wide ranging, insightful and like I said, transformational discussion with the great Dr. Dawson Church. Dawson, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Tyler. I'm full of joy and enthusiasm as I am every day. So it's good to be here. Well, I love that you've made that a habit and have made that, you know, really the core of your identity is showing up with that joy. But, you know, before we really dive into this mind expanding conversation, because I know we're going to go places that people may have never considered uh, that their mind may have ever gone before. So I know that we're going to have an amazing conversation. But before we go there, tell me a little bit about, you know, yourself. If I were a great friend, a close friend of yours, how would I describe you? I tend to be in a really joyful space pretty much all the time. And so people assume when they connect with me, whether it's in work or play or other kinds of contexts, that it's going to be light, it's going to be fun, it's going to be playful. And there's always going to be a leading edge there because one of the, the great things about the brain is our brains respond to novelty. And so when you are always looking for what's new, what's fresh, being in the moment, then you always have something new on the go and your brain 
gets sharper and more curious in every way. So I think that curiosity and joy are probably two things that people notice about me, uh, both my long-term friends and also new contacts. No, that's great. And where does your curiosity come from with regard to the brain in particular? Where did that originate? I'm just curious. Well, in my most recent book, This Brain, it actually became, began with me looking at my own life and wondering just what was going on with my own brain and how I could be so happy. Like I didn't start happy. I started out life really miserable. In fact, when I was a teenager, I tell the story in my book, This Brain, about how one day I, I was 15 years old and I was walking through a hotel lobby and there was a full length mirror. And I, st I paused there and stared at myself for a long moment and the words flashed into my mind, that is the saddest face I've ever seen. And I realized I was just so depressed, miserable. And mm. now of course we realize we have a term for it, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I now know what was going on. But back then it was just sheer being in a hellhole of misery every day, being suicidal, being depressed, being anxious. And, and thinking that was, that was life. And so I went to join a spiritual community. I learned psychology. I tried to find all these ways of shifting myself and bit by bit I did. And then I began to find some really effective ways about 20 years ago that were that accelerated my development. Now with the Harvard Adult Development Study, it's been going on for 80 plus years. We know now how people evolve and how they can extricate themselves from those kinds of early developmental problems and then move into a, a happy life. But then I began to move from not just being happy, but just being, being extraordinarily happy. And I began to ask why. And that's when I discovered that our brain makes all these neurochemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and anamide. And anamide is the one that has the same chemical structure as THC, the main getting high molecule in marijuana. And when you're in certain brain states brought about by peak performance or meditation, your brain makes lots of anandamide and you start to feel extraordinarily blissful. And so I began to look into that, write about that, dig into the neuroscience of it. And what I found was that people make these things naturally and you can dramatically increase your levels of these feel-good drugs. So it's kind of a, sort of a, a long-term, you know, 65-year personal experiment. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, great. on myself. No, I love it. And thank you for going through that. And thank you for telling me a little bit about that background and the listeners, because it's important because you know what, it's not like you were born this way. It's not you were born, you know, with all of this knowledge and this wisdom, but the curiosity took you to a place where you could discover not only the peak mental states, but also that bliss brain and all these different, you know, chemicals that you just described. But you know, we speak to high performers, those who have a burning desire for the extraordinary, which is a constant evolution. So let's talk about those peak mental states. I mean, where would you like to start? Where have you identified as a great starting place for peak mental states? You know, I'd like to start at a place you probably haven't talked about or thought about before, which is the opposite. And if you go to peak mental states and you aspire to peak mental states, again, there's been a lot of research since Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi in the 1970s began to define flow, identify flow triggers, notice what they were, and teach people to implement those flow triggers. And so you reach these elevated states. 
And they've been reached through flow in peak performance, also through meditation throughout the ages. If you read Rumi or Hafiz or St. Catherine of Siena or St. Francis of Assisi, I mean, these people were in their, their paintings, for example, of St. Francis in these totally blissed out trances. And then you read Rumi or Hafiz and it's clear these people were ex experiencing extraordinary peak experiences in, in their lives. And so you, 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 there are these places we've known for millennia people get to. Often they needed to get there through drugs. And so in, in, in Native American traditions, also in um, South American traditions, you have ayahuasca, you have peyote, other ways of ushering these in. Although in this brain, I really did a little bit of looking into that and talked to some shamans. And they said that these drugs are only there to get you into that state initially. You can't maintain the state unless you can do it yourself without the drugs. So the drugs are a gateway into learning to do it endogenously within your own brain. So um, you can get to these extraordinary peak states and you can do it through either drugs, you can do it through performance, through meditation, and then you're in ecstasy. And it's wonderful to be in that state of flow where in the words of my wonderful friend, Stephen Kotler, that vision, and thought and action will merge. You're just totally in the flow. You're, and so you're writing, you're giving a keynote speech, you're doing a podcast, you're, and you're just in this wonderful, optimal state. But one of the problems with that approach of heading for the mountaintop is that, and again, this is not a fun thing to contemplate, but if you have unhealed psychological trauma, then you're gonna have at some point, very likely a dark night experience or even a total crash. Because if you haven't got a firm foundation in personality of dealing with your unhealed trauma, and you then go for peak states, those early, especially early childhood trauma, those early childhood wounds are gonna undermine your ability and, and, and mean you don't have a foundation for those peak states. So the first thing you have to do paradoxically to get to the mountaintop is to dive into the basement. You have to go into the underworld mm -hmm. in terms of Greek mythology or Joseph, Campbell's The Hero's Journey, you have to go and journey into the underworld and face your demons and exhume all of those, the people from your past who hurt you, the terrible experiences you've had, and you have to heal trauma, psychological trauma first. And so I had a 10-year career in research, in working with veterans, in doing studies on psychological trauma, and we really learned to nail trauma. And then once you've done that, you start aiming for the peak states, then you don't have the dark night experience. You don't crash and burn. You don't have the dark side of your personality eating you alive. Like you know, we, we, what we hear about these people who are at the peak of their professions, and I don't want to mention names and date the interview, but I mean, there's, there's like this, there's a, there've been a string of politicians over the last few years who have been superstars. And then it's discovered that 10 years ago, they were molesting somebody or they were committing some kind of fraud. We've had you know, great spiritual leaders over the course of the last few years in Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, and suddenly it's discovered that they're molesting their students, they're stealing money, they're, they're buying luxury yachts, they're driving around in gold-plated Rolls Royces, and you know, it's all, that's the dark side. And so unless you go and heal a trauma, you can get to that elevated state, but unless you heal a trauma, then something will happen, that dark side will reassert itself. And so what we focus on, on having people do is work on trauma first, really do that initially, and then you move to peak states. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. 
This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. And enjoy the rest of the show. Very, very powerful share. And thank you for all of that. Because, you know, reflecting back on the conversation we had with Stephen Kotler on this podcast, you know, we really dove into flow and we really dove into a lot of the peak mental states that, you know, you're, you're talking about and even the elevated emotional states, which, you know, really is a, is a great uh, branding for our podcast here. But, you know, when you, th when you think about diving into that trauma and really diving into the underworld and in the basement, let's talk about that because I think it's really important and it's not something that we've covered on this podcast, because many high performers, you know, a lot of us do have a tough background, or we have things that have really stuck with us, and perhaps that we've masked in different ways and that we're not conscious of. So could we dive into, you know, what that means in terms of diving into that underworld and maybe some tips and strategies that you might suggest? Totally. And Stephen himself went through a three-year dark night of the soul. He had fibromyalgia, he was suicidal, and he thought of doing away with himself many times. He also says that many of the peak performers he studies through the Flow Genome Project have had, they don't have good childhoods. They often have really difficult childhoods. And so um, many people who have hit that peak performance stage actually did have a traumatic past. And so what I teach and use for trauma is emotional freedom techniques or EFT. And there's this whole class of body-based therapies. There's EFT, there's EMDR. They all use some kind of physical stimulation and they keep people in their bodies while they re-experience trauma. This whole field of memory reconsolidation and extinction has really uh, shaped psychology over the last decade. And so we used to think that if you're traumatized, if you, especially if you develop developmental trauma, early life trauma, all of those neural pathways were wired in, hardwired, when, you were, when your brain was developing at a very early age. And for a long time, it was thought to be impossible to change them. And then came along this whole field of memory reconsolidation and showed that you can literally interrupt those neural flows and those brains eventually start to change anatomically. So um, these methods, what the go-to methods that I teach and use are ones that have a somatic component. That means they aren't thinking. 
you can't think yourself out of a crisis usually. And you try and think yourself out of a crisis. You say, I shouldn't be obsessing about this thing. Like this last week, we had something go wrong with one of our email messages. And I really, I'm really on top of messaging to our community because we have hundreds of thousands of people on our email list and we have a big social media presence and I want everything that they get to be immaculate and perfect and, and really on target. And then we had something go off target. And so I was really worried about that. And then I try and meditate Tyler and I'm meditating there and I keep thinking about this bad email we sent out. And I say, no, that's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go address that in an hour in the office. Right now I'm at home, uh, it's meditation time. Don't think about the bad email. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can guess how well that worked. I just continued, sat there obsessing about the bad email over and over and over again. I did, I'm an experienced meditator. I eventually did extricate myself. It took me about 20 or 30 minutes to let go of the bad email. And uh, and, and, one, and one individual actually, he was particularly at fault for the bad email and, and working with this individual. And so um, I finally did extricate myself from that, but it's very, very difficult to use thinking to get yourself out of a jam. You think I shouldn't be so stressed and you still are stressed. You think I shouldn't, uh, I should be a more compassionate person. I should spend more time meditating. I should spend more time exercising, taking care of my body. I should pay more attention to my diet, blah, 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 blah. It's all up here in the prefrontal cortex. It's not making its way somatically down the autonomic nervous system into our habits and our muscles, our bodies. So EF, EFT, EMDR, yoga therapy, uh, Qigong movement, things that use the body, those anchor those experiences somatically. And if you get to the level of the body, then you've actually established that as a stable practice. If it's all in the head, it's really hard to use willpower. So that's why these simple techniques, again, we've done through our veteran stress project, we've now offered EFT sessions to over 20,000 veterans over the last six years, over the last 10 years. We've done six randomized controlled trials. And they show that in six one-hour EFT sessions, people with high levels of PTSD, flashbacks, nightmares, intrusive thoughts, all those things, those symptoms just go away. And it only takes six one-hour EFT sessions. So EFT is my, my personal favorite uh, method for dealing with trauma. At that point, you start to move into those peak states. That's so powerful. And and I think about, you know, the power of our brain and the power of our mind, but also our nervous system, as you mentioned, the autonomic nervous system. And if we can truly tap into that, the changes that we can make. And the other beautiful thing that I think is so awesome and interesting about our mind and our brain is truly that neuroplasticity. You were talking about, you know, some perhaps trauma or events or, you know, experiences that we have as children and that that becomes hardwired into our brain in many capacities but the beautiful thing is is that through the process that you just described you can make changes right you can grow and perhaps you know it is a bit of a process but using your nervous system as a result so talk to me about you know turning these peak mental states into long-term traits through neuroplasticity is there anything that you would point to there well neuroplasticity by itself is worth saying 10 times slowly because the idea that we can actually change the anatomy of our brains is remarkable. When Marion Diamond first did her very, very first studies on neural plasticity in the 1950s, she was literally laughed out of the conferences. Uh, she was, first of all, she was a woman and there was a ton of discrimination against female scientists back then. And so um, she didn't do well when she was presenting neural plasticity, even when she had replications. And then eventually it took a, lot, a while and over about 25 years 
neuroscience changed its mind and said the stuff exists. But the, the, the idea that we can literally change the anatomy of our brains by the quality and content of our thoughts. I mean, this is our software mind changing our hardware brain. This is remarkable. I mean, amazing. And that we can have this power, this superpower to change our brains. What other animal, your cat, your dog, your mongoose, your snake, no, none other, no other animal can literally change the anatomy of this brain. So we focus on changing our anatomy of our muscles. We go and work out at the gym. If the gym is closed, we go buy some exercise bands and home exercise equipment and, and we, we work out our muscles. But the idea that we can change our anatomy of our brains is a, just a remarkable idea. And it is so powerful to apply this consciously. Now, in my book, This Brain, I ask some really key questions. And I drill down and I sift through, I sift through, through about 400 studies for that book. And I found what produces the quickest positive neuroplasticity in terms of meditation. And I found, for instance, that many things that people use, many meditative practices, do very little for neuroplasticity. They don't produce fast plasticity. They may make you feel good, but they don't change your brain fast. But several things really do change your brain quickly. And I have a, I have a case history in there of uh, a TV reporter called Graham Phillips. And he took a whole team into a lab, an advanced neuroimaging lab. And he had this neuroimaging lab do a workup of his entire brain, neuron by neuron, region by region, and measure it. He then began to meditate. And over the next eight weeks, he did a focused mindfulness meditation course. At the end of eight weeks, went back into the lab. He noticed all kinds of behavioral changes in the, that eight weeks. But they then did another set of high resolution MRI scans on his brain. And they found that a piece of the brain, several brain regions changed. They grew by two or three or 4%. I mean, 4% growth of a brain region in eight weeks is like, that's amazing. But one piece of his brain, a little piece of tissue in the center of the brain called the dentate gyrus that has tentacles that reach all over the brain and it coordinates emotional regulation. So when something happens that would make you pissed off, upset, angry, stressed, resentful, guilty, ashamed, all those negative emotions, the dentate gyrus is what puts the brake on negative emotion, helps you control negative emotion. We know that these Tibetan monks and Franciscan nuns and other adepts we study. We know that they have really happy energy. They have happy brainwaves, gamma, brainwave of integration, creativity, and happiness. And they also have superb emotional regulation. And it's interesting what happens in their brains when they hear, for example, a child crying. Their empathy network lights up and their, their brain responds faster to distress signals from other human beings, but it then dampens those immediately. So they're feeling all the same human feelings that untrained people feel, but they're in control of their emotions. And that means that when somebody says something annoying to you, you don't explode. When there's a medical emergency or a political emergency or a financial emergency, you remain calm. And so they looked, the researchers looked in Graham Phillips's brain at the size of his dentate gyrus. So again, only eight weeks of practicing mindfulness. And now he goes back, gets his brain measured and especially those emotion regulation structures. And in eight weeks, his dentate gyrus grew by 22.8%. Wow. I mean, just imagine going, working out in the gym on your, say your deltoids, and then you come back in eight weeks of practice, 
and your deltoids are 22.8% bigger, you know, you'd be, you'd be really happy about that. <laughs> I thought sure. your muscles were that easy, but if you're, our brains, parts of our brains can grow and change that quickly. So anatomically, he's now just not able, not just as a habit of the, of the, of the mood of inner peace and dampening stress and emotional regulation, he literally has hardware in his brain and he built it 22.8% bigger in only eight weeks. So neuroplasticity is the one miracle, but the speed with which we remodel our brains is astonishing, much faster than the speed with which we, which we regulate our muscular change by working out. So that's the other big takeaway from this brain is you can get happy and you can get resilient quickly. Yeah, no, that's extremely powerful. And when you think about that type of growth, I can only imagine the compound effect over years. I mean, if you think about eight years or eight, you know, 28 years of this type of practice and thinking about focused mindfulness meditation, I know that, you know, sort of the new age entrepreneur, the new age real estate investor, these are the people who are the most successful. These are the people who not only live the most fulfilled lives, who can regulate their own emotions and understand when there's maybe some negative <laughs> things in our environment and, and perhaps be aware of that yeah. and say, well, how do I want to react? Because in between stimulus and response, there's that space. And that's what you're talking about. So is there any practical tactics or tips that you might have for folks when they if they are wanting to adapt this type of focused meditation or mindfulness practice? Yes, the, 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 the gap is the key because um, Viktor Frankl, when he was writing his, his book about man's search for meaning after emerging from Auschwitz in World War II, talked about that gap. He said that between the stimulus and the response, there is a moment when you choose. You choose who you will be, you choose what you, what you will say. In the case of this email issue I had, and I had a hard time extricating myself from worrying and thinking about the email, it turned out that I finished meditation and I just decided to be calm, not blame anybody. And I then went back into my office with a really different positive frame around the whole thing. So I organized a meeting to look at how it happened in a totally neutral way. I discovered the person I thought had sent the email and made the mistake had not actually been the person who did it. And it had been a combination of factors. One person was supposed to check, test the email, had been on vacation, I had contributed to it by setting up the whole mailing too late for the regular testing process. So everyone was involved. And we then had a really rational problem solving uh, approach to this, this whole, whole issue. And that's what happens when you enter those elevated states. Now I'm thinking creatively. I'm thinking with gamma brainwaves. I'm not, I'm not in stressful beta. Beta is your, those are brainwaves from 12 to 20 cycles a second. And that's the wave of thinking, conscious mind, but also stress and worry. High amplitude beta brainwaves is what you find in people who are warriors, who are stressed, who are having panic attacks, who are uncreative, and it just shuts down that gamma happiness wave. It shuts down delta and theta, which are your two restoration waves, and suddenly it just is taking over all the parts of your brain, and it's making your brain function non-coherently. And when I look at people like you know Jack Canfield and Marion Williamson and Joe Dispenza and all my these people I know personally, who, and I've hooked some of them up to, to EEGs as well, and we find that they have highly coherent brainwaves. Every single brainwave frequency is marching in lockstep. And so when they have an intention, 
when they say something, it carries with it the weight of that coherence. When we talk to people who are in tenders, they say, I have this wonderful vision for my life and my money and my career, and they're not good at manifesting, they have incoherent, non-coherent brainwaves. So there's a big difference that goes, goes on there. And so that interruption that, that you mentioned, that, that gap that Viktor Frankl found between stimulus and response is crucial, and tapping will do that for you. So uh, tapping uses 13 acupuncture meridians, and all you do is you're feeling stressed, you're feeling upset, your emotions are unregulated, and you simply tap on each point a few times here while tuning into the problem. And what we're finding now in MRI research is that when you're upset, your whole emotional midbrain is lit up. And you can tell in an MRI that the midbrain is consuming a lot of blood, glucose, and oxygen. All those cells in the hippocampus, hypothalamus, and amygdala, they're all lit up. And that shows up as red on an MRI. So that's the agitated, panicked, stressed, emotional brain. And then people start tapping. It's amazing. Within a few seconds, it's like grabbing your dimmer switch and turning it off. You just see all of that activity in the emotional midbrain go away. And the cool thing is that when people think about that same stressor uh, six months later or a year later, they're no longer stressed. Once they've, once, they've, once they've convinced their body that that idea, that memory, that thought is not a stimulus that is going to send you into fight or flight, and they do that one time, then that, that memory remains in the, in the brain, but minus the emotional tagging. So they can remember the bad thing that happened or the, the stressor, but it's no longer emotional. The emotional brain isn't firing. When you pair the memory or thought about a bad thing in your life with tapping, tapping sends a second signal to your brain saying, I'm safe, I'm secure. And you realize, oh, that email is not a tiger that is gonna leap out of the bushes and eat me. Now, before, when I was in out there in mental land and worry land and high beta land, I'm getting all upset and stressed because I'm thinking about this bad email that went out and my body has no idea this is not a real threat to my survival. I still have this brain fashioned 100,000 years ago in which the world was full of threats. I needed to pay close attention to the bad stuff to avoid getting eaten by the tiger. But now with tapping, my reaction to the bad email goes from there's a tiger in the room, it's gonna eat me, to this is not a threat to my survival. And once the brain understands that, then you can think about the email and you no longer get stressed and then creativity kicks in, then gamma kicks in and you come up with eight fabulous solutions to the problem and you have a much happier life as a result. So powerful. And this is such an amazing conversation, Dawson. Thank you so much for all of that, because, you know, you really think about this practice and thinking about the brain waves and thinking about, hey, are we in beta right now? Are we incoherent? Are we coherent? Are we in, you know, theta or delta? Are we in gamma? And thinking about what you can really tap into and what you can manifest in your life as a result of that. And these practical techniques and this practice, this commitment towards really stepping into that identity, as we kind of talked about earlier, is very, very powerful. And in Mind to Matter, you discussed that the brain creates much of what we think is our objective reality. And so I'd love to go there, if you don't mind, because really it kind of ties into what we've already been talking about here. What do you think? I was so surprised. I began that book as a skeptic. I thought, uh, you know, I heard all these new age ideas, like your, your, your mind creates the reality. 
your thoughts create your reality. And actually the Buddha said, with our thoughts we create the world. Uh, Emerson said very much the same thing. So there were all these great people throughout history. Gandhi said something very similar. And so there are all these great people with our history who tell us that our minds are creating the world, our thoughts are creating things. And I, I thought, well, that's a nice inspirational idea, but is it scientifically true? And so I'm gonna write a book, actually a series of radio programs first, and I was gonna look at the scientific evidence of each link in the chain from thought to thing. And my expectation in writing Mind to Matter was I would find a few links but a lot of broken chain as well, where I could not explain how thought became thing. And as I dug into, again, over 400 studies for that book, I became astonished, absolutely amazed. In fact, the subtitle of the book is The Astonishing Science of How Your Brain Creates Material Reality. It was a surprising science in its first draft, but I became astonished because I found that I could trace and prove every single link in the chain scientifically between the way your, your thoughts literally become things. And it's obvious that our thoughts become things in terms of cortisol and adrenaline. I've done a number of randomized controlled trials showing that as we think negative thoughts, our cortisol rises, that in turn suppresses our immune system. So our, our immune antibodies drop when we have negative thinking. And then when you tap, when you meditate, then your cortisol goes down and things like positive neurochemicals like DHEA and immune antibodies rise. So we know that our thoughts are directly affecting things in our bodies. One is a really just stunning study published about uh, eight months ago now, looked at Alzheimer's patients and the relationship of risk factors for Alzheimer's to the accumulation of beta amyloid plaques in the brain. And I think most people know that in Alzheimer's, people have these sticky, gooey, uh, they're, like, they're like bubble gum, they're like chewing gum, that like, they like wrap themselves around um, neural bundles and the bundles can't fire properly. And you start to forget the names of your children and eventually you forget how your kidneys function and you die. So Alzheimer's is a long, miserable, slow, progressive condition, no way out. And so it's, it's triggered by the presence of these beta amyloid plaques in the brain. And so they looked at all the risk factors for Alzheimer's. They, they, they were gonna nail what it was that was increasing beta amyloid plaques in the brain. They looked at diet and lifestyle, every possible psychological characteristic. And the biggest, strongest correlation was one thing. And that one thing was negative thinking. Negative thinking correlated more strongly than anything else with the formation of beta amyloid plaques in the brain and its scale. The more negative thinking, the more beta amyloid plaques in the brain. So our thoughts are undoubtedly creating reality inside our own lives. And then the second half of the book is how our thoughts create reality around us. And just simple things like, this is a glass of water. And the research showing that the structure of H2O, water molecules, changes when you have intentions around this water. When the water is held by a healing touch practitioner and the intention is to bless the water, the bonding angle between the two little hydrogens and the big oxygen that bonds them actually shifts, shifts measurably in the process of doing that. We're literally changing molecules in the outside world. And in one chapter, I take the four forces, the four fundamental forces of physics, and I show that mind, human consciousness, is an underlying fifth force. We're literally changing, like the rate of radioactive decay 
is supposed to be a constant. Gravity is supposed to be a constant. Electromagnetism is supposed to be an independent force, completely independent of human thought. And yet in one study, very, very careful, carefully constructed randomized controlled trial that's been replicated several times, uh, a healer could affect electromagnetism by over 20%. Now, this should not be possible, but our consciousness is doing all these things in the outside world. So our awareness, our consciousness is influential. If we have coherent brainwaves, it's more effective in the outside world. And to a remarkable degree, we are literally using our brains to bring down information from universal energy fields, what I call non-local mind, which we can all connect with into our local reality. And when we do what Gandhi recommended. Einstein said that every great scientific discovery has been, has been first an intuition that appeared from connection with, with something greater than ourselves. Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich, chapter 15, is all about how you let go of your local self, local thinking. And he would connect with what he called non-locally as his invisible counsel. And there in his invisible counsel, he had all these great people. He had Abraham Lincoln, and he had Thomas Edison, and he had, he had these, this whole roster of geniuses, which he would tap into in terms of non-local reality. And he would download these brilliant solutions from that. And he describes that in, in Think and Grow Rich. So that's where we get brilliance and insight and breakthroughs is not futzing around here with our local reality. We meditate, we reach peak states, we then tune in to non-local reality and download from information fields with our brains these insights that radically transform our local material reality. And through the astonishment of your practice and through your studies and through your research, you recognize, and it's almost like you've dismantled in some way, like the Newtonian physics, right? The Newtonian <laughs> platform. And you've identified that there's such a new realm of creativity, of creation, uh, of intention of stepping into a greater future as a result of this. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of comes down to not only listening, but also letting that listening relate to your energy, your frequency, your vibration. How do you feel from a positive or, you know, obviously a negative standpoint as we were talking about the negativity that results in the science of your brain and what reality that may create. But tell me, I mean, is that is that the path that you have found to be so fascinating as well? Yeah, and you are the one who determines this. You can't always determine things going on outside there. But just for example, um, during the pandemic, I walked past one of my favorite places, it's a pub in downtown Petaluma, California, where I live. And there was a hand, so all the restaurants have closed. All the restaurants locally were shuttered by state law and they couldn't be open. The dining rooms were all closed. And so I, I walked past this pub and again, the dining room was closed. All the tables were on top of the chairs and there was a sign, a hand lettered sign on a card piece of cardboard on the front door that said, we don't see a light at the end of this tunnel. It's been a wonderful 31 years, but we're closing for good. Thank you for all the good times, Petaluma. And that just made me feel so sad to see the closed dining room and you know this, this pub in there for 31 years. It's, it's weathered two other recessions. It's weathered all kinds of adverse events. And yet now they've just thrown it in the towel. And that happened to a ton of local businesses. So a week later, my wife and I were getting a little tired after a month or two of our own 
home cooking the same, you know, five meals over and 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 over again. So we, I can relate to that, by the way. Been there, done that. Right. So we ordered out to Betty's Barbecue. Betty's Barbecue had takeout. And so we we phoned Betty's Barbecue and they had it set up up where there was a table outside the dining room. And you walked up there and your order was just there on the table waiting for you to pick up. So as I picked up my order at Betty's Barbecue, Betty herself happened to be on the other side of the table with a mask and gloves on. And I said to her, wow, you know, I'm great you're doing this table service now where I can still get food. And I said, well, how are you doing? I mean, are you surviving doing this? And she said, oh my goodness, we're doing, we're doing great. Our, our volume is greater than we were when we had me in a dining room. And I've been thinking about doing a takeout business for years. And then the pandemic forced me into it. So now Betty's barbecue dining room has reopened and Betty now has two businesses and double the volume. So what was the difference between Murphy's Pub, Murphy and Betty? What's the difference here? Nothing external, only this, only consciousness. For one, it produced the closure of their business and bankruptcy. For the other person, it produced a doubling of their business. And the only difference was their thinking, was their thoughts. I mean, that's how radical the our, our consciousness is in producing external change uh, with our you know with our children with our parents with our our colleagues our team members how wh- what you do with this is creating what is happening outside of you you think it's just happening out there it's happening in here and that's what's creating what's out there hey guys i just wanted to take a brief time out from this show this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high-touch, one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered 
limitless and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. It is such a powerful example because you see it, you know, time and time again, you know, where you have one conversation and someone says, you know, we're, we just can't find any opportunities. We're, you know, we're totally spinning our wheels. And then you talk to someone else 30 minutes later and it's like, we're having the greatest quarter we've ever imagined. And, you know, you think about it and it's like, okay, well, you know, you talk about, well, is it just positive thinking and woo woo and all this stuff. But what you've done is you've described and you've researched and you've shown that there's actually science behind this. This is not just a, you know, it's, it works sometimes and yeah, you know, Betty's doing great or whatever, but it's, you know, it's a really interesting philosophy and it's not, it's not a philosophy. It's literally science, but you've combined science with spirituality and, you know, Eastern philosophy with Western science and all these things, even when Napoleon Hill was talking about, you know, 150 years ago, I think it's so powerful. It's also mechanical and mechanical in the sense that if you just do certain things, you get certain results. Like just for example, if um, I, I know when I'm, I'm working out in the gym or I'm working out generally, I want to have good form. So you hire a coach and a trainer and you make sure your form is correct and you're doing things in a certain way mechanically that's far more successful. A simple example is, you know, you, you're picking up a heavy box. If you bend over from the waist and pick it up with your hands and then lift up, you're putting all this pressure and stress on your lower vertebrae and the discs and the joints and the nerves. And that's people get injured is they bend over from the waist. We know that you, you instead, you bend your knees and have a straight spine, pick up the box that way. That is just a mechanical thing. So I'm doing a mechanical motion over there. One way will result in injury, one way won't. It'll result in greater strength, greater mobility. The, the thing about meditation is it's the same way. There are certain mechanical things you can do that just build those muscles that build the dentate gyrus that shut down the suffering part of the brain. And I go into that in great detail in, in the book and that light up other really useful networks like the salience network and the compassion network. And so these are mechanical things. And because I'm like, I've never been able to, able to still my mind in meditation. I just can't do it. Never been able to do it. I've been trying for 50 years. I just have a monkey mind. But the mind is meant to be, again, attentive to threats and problems. So that's just the way our minds are. So I found that there are mechanical things you can do. There's a breathing routine you can do. Tapping is really useful for letting go of stress. So I have people do not mental gymnastics, mental exercises, physical stuff. If you breathe in a certain rhythm, you will automatically be in heart coherence. It just will put you there without any cognitive thought or cognitive training. So a lot of my work is not focused on mental stuff at all. It's focused on physical stuff that calms your body. If I breathe a certain rhythm, my body will calm down. If I relax certain muscles, it'll send a signal to my vagus nerve, which is the parasympathetic relaxation part of the nervous system. And it'll send a signal throughout my whole body and my whole body will be calm because I've done something physical like tapping or like breathing. So I'm blessed and cursed with a really active mind that can't still. And so that's pushed me into finding physical things you do that automatically shut down that stress signal. And it's amazing. You watch people get out of beta and get into alpha and into gamma 
in just a few seconds if they just do these these simple physical things. So that my books all have these sections in the back of each chapter. It says deepening practices. Look at this video. Breathe along with this person. Here's a 10 minute meditation. Put it on. It's free. It's guided. Do that meditation. And we know that these bring people these elevated peak states. And once they're there, I want to make sure we cover this, Tyler, before we, we, we have to wrap up here. But in Bliss Brain, I talk about how these states translate into extraordinary effectiveness in the work world, in the outside world. In one study by the Defense Advanced Projects Research Agency, DARPA, and DARPA has been doing really interesting research for 40 years on various mental states, but they found that people in these kind of elevated emotional peak states in flow that meditation takes you to, people in those states, their ability to solve complicated problems, which if you're in business, you have to solve every day, their ability to solve those problems rose by 490%. Wow. Almost a five-fold increase in problem-solving ability. A different study by McKinsey Corporation, which Stephen, Stephen Cutler also quotes often, it was a 10-year study. It found that people's, people's level of productivity in their business went up five-fold when they were in these peak states. Another study found similar stuff in terms of uh, ability to solve math and other, other conceptual problems. So we have a lot of evidence now building that you are just reaching a pleasant state in meditation in these meditations. You're reaching a state in which when you then translate what you've felt and the, the, the experience you've had into your office and work and family life, five times the productivity, 490% the problem-solving ability, you're awesomely effective in your external world. Dawson, this is such an amazing gift that you're giving us, you're giving our listeners today, because, you know, what we're talking about is the ultimate, you know, peak performance technique. And we all have this tool, right? We all have this within our nervous system, within our mind, within our brain, within all the energy that's around us. And, you know, you're really opening our minds to what is truly possible. And guess what? I, I believe that anything is possible. Anything can be done if we use these techniques. And so Dawson, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And I don't want to be respectful of your time. And I want to dive into our rapid fire section. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about what we've been talking about today. Elevated. That sounds like a lot of fun. Go for it. That's right. Elevated emotional states. I mean, we're branded by the emotional states, which is beautiful. But I'd love to ask you a few questions as a prolific author yourself, as someone who is a giver, as someone who is a curious learner. I would imagine that you are a big reader yourself. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what comes to mind? One book I've given to my children, given to team members, given to friends, given to my housekeeper in Spanish is Jack Canfield's book, the success principles. Jack's book is, Jack interviewed hundreds of people and uh, I'm a member of a, of a group called the Transformational Leadership Council. It's basically 120 people that Jack put together who go off and have fun together a couple of times a year. We just go and play. <laughs> no agenda. We often learn a lot as well from each other, but, uh, but Jack's an amazing guy. He's the, he co-authored the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which has sold at this point 500 million copies. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, just a remarkable success. And so Jack codified all the biggest successful principles that he learned from others into 64 success principles. 
And you, you definitely need that book and need to focus on those things. So Jack's book is, is, is I, I say, number one. It's right here in front of me in, in my, my, I have to just pull it out and read a success principle for the day. Uh, another one I think should be required reading for every person in the Northern and Western hemispheres is Tony Robbins's books on money, money and unshakable. Uh, those books will give you a financial plan. And again, Tony interviewed all the top money managers in the world and then condensed like millions of dollars of advice. And so for, you spend 20 bucks or 30 bucks and you're gonna get the very best advice from the very best money managers in the world. And then what I wanna encourage you to do is turn Tony's book into a personal financial plan for you. So when you're reading it, don't just be inspired, read it and then take action. So that's gonna take care of, you know, I, I think Tyler, how I stumbled around at 20 and 30 and 40 years old, you know, when I was the age that many people listening to this are, if, I, if someone had put in my hands the success principles at the age of 20 and said, this is what you have to do to be successful. And there are only 64 things. <laughs> Man, I would, have, I would have been grateful to them. So I have put that book in the hands of a lot of people. And so that's one thing. And then money, you've got to get your financial act together. You've got to do that. And, you, and the earlier you do it in your life, the better off you are. If you, you, know, if you wait till you're 30, 40, 50, I mean, it's fine. Do it now. I'm, I was advising one lady when she's in her 80s and she's working on, on her, her money stuff. But start right away as early as possible. Read Tony's books. Put your personal financial plan in place. Everything may not work out perfectly, but you'll get a clue. You'll get a sense of, of financial literacy. So those, those, those are two. The third is read Dave Asprey's books. His new book on biohacking is so powerful, superhuman. And um, you, oh, actually his most recent book is on fasting. That's also worth reading, but his book, Superhuman, will give you, I wish I had my copy yet to show you, it's on, on a distant bookshelf there, but again, it's marked up for me. And then in the back is my action plan. I'm translating that into an action plan. So the third one is to really get your body and your, your metabolism tuned. Like people get older and then they get sluggish and they get low energy. You want to be just 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and just absolutely so bursting with energy and life and enthusiasm that your body can hardly contain it. So that's the kind of person you want to be. And you get there with the kinds of approaches that Dave has, has pioneered for you. He's spent the million dollars on figuring it all out. So you can spend 20 bucks in his book and not have to do that. And go, go straight for the gold. Um, I'll try and limit myself to one or two more. Um, read Paul Branton. I've just finished rereading Paul Branton's book, The Short... Uh, actually, I, actually no, I, I'm, I'm going astray here. Every, all these others are uh, household names. Everyone knows who Tony Robbins is and Jack Canfield and Dave Asprey. Uh, everyone knew who Paul Branton was 100 years ago. And now there are, we, we know the superstars in each field. If it, whatever field you're in, you know who the superstars are. You know, if, you, if you're an investor, you know who Warren Buffett is, you know who Ray Dalio is, you know who Paul Tudor Jones is, you know the superstars. Um, I'll, get, I'll tell you something, there, there's a mystical circle, there are mystics in the world, there's a group of them, and we know who the mystical superstars are. Uh, and uh, they're not well known outside of mystical circles, 
but one that many people, including Jean Houston and Adya Shanti and great teachers have endorsed is Dr. Paul Brunton. Some of his work's hard to understand, but his book, The Short Path to Enlightenment, is really good because as exercises to awaken you spiritually. And I won't go into detail about what they are, or how he does it, or why his approach is so powerful. But in, in the 1930s, Paul Brunton's books, A Search, A Search for Secret India, A Search in Secret Egypt, were selling millions of copies. But of all of his, his about 36 books, and they're again, they're 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 not an easy read. So to pick one of them, the short path to enlightenment, instructions for immediate awakening will get you to that mountaintop faster than virtually anything else I know. And so if I can just grab one more, maybe Marcus Aurelius, the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, an ancient Roman emperor 2000 years ago. And you realize none of this stuff is new, that people knew how to develop their themselves intellectually, morally, ethically, in terms of human development. They knew that a long time ago. And so the writings of the ancient Stoics, uh, like Marcus Aurelius, are really inspiring to realize how long people have been aspiring to these pinnacles of experience and thought. Well, first of all, your your passion and love for learning is palpable. I can just tell you that. And thank you so much for sharing those books because we will absolutely put links in the show notes for the listener who wants to learn more and dive in. And, and I'm glad that you shared, you know, in particular Dave Asprey's book, you know, a former guest on Elevate as well. I mean, we really appreciate everything that he does for humanity as well as Tony Robbins, as well as Jack Canfield. And uh, of course, the late, great Marcus Aurelius, who set such an example for modern society and everything that we've talked about today. So what a powerful share there. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes for all of your books as well, Dawson, uh, so the listeners can really go deeper. So thank you for that. And uh, by the way, the ROI on reading, as <laughs> Stephen Kotler says, is phenomenal. So if you're not a reader make sure that you understand that the ROI for reading is phenomenal. So with that said, I want to dive into our last two questions. Uh, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of what we've already talked about today, Dawson? I believe it's essential. It's absolutely essential to start the day with meditation. So meditation, but when you wake up, because when you're asleep, your brain is pruning and wiring. Every uh, 90 minutes or so, you come out of deep delta sleep into light theta rapid eye movement sleep. And so your eyes are moving around a lot, you're having vivid dreams, your brain is wiring, drop back into delta and do a lot of pruning of unused neural pathways. Then you start to wake up, you're in alpha. And if you can capture that delta theta alpha state, immediately you wake up then you can start at a high level, a high rung on the ladder in terms of well-being for the day. So immediate meditation when you wake up, that's, that's one thing that's essential. Use a guided meditation. I have many in my books, one for each chapter. They're free, they're just available there. Use a guided meditation. After a while, you'll discover you don't need a guided meditation anymore. After a few years of using the guidance, it's kind of handy to have the guidance, but it's training wheels. Eventually, you'll close your eyes and you'll be there immediately on, on, on starting. So do that. And secondly, when you get off balance, like I did the other day with a bad email, correct yourself. Don't correct yourself a week later. Uh, we have a, actually we have a website you can put on, on there as well called tappingplace.com where people can do live sessions with practitioners, certified practitioners of mine, on demand. They're there, they're live, and they're sitting there 
And you go on there, you get the first session is free. Go on there, tap with somebody immediately. Interrupt that stress, panic, negativity, resentment, anger, blame. Interrupt it as quickly as you possibly can. Tap yourself, tap with the practitioner on tappingplace.com. Uh, go for a walk in, in nature, do some deep breathing, take a bath, take a nap, do something. Do not allow that negative mood to last an hour, two hours, or three hours, because you don't, don't, be, don't be building those neural pathways. You don't be sending signals through your brain of all of those negative things. Cut them off as soon as possible. Paul Branton will talk a lot about this in, in his books, including The Short Path. So uh, rapid correction. Don't give yourself the excuse of, I'll do it later on. And then whatever is drawing you into negative thinking and away from positive thinking, don't give yourself any slack. Now, if I was talking to a general audience, I wouldn't say that, but I'm talking to high performers over here, Tyler. So uh, these are people who have average, above average amounts of willpower and motivation. And so when you are thinking that negative thought about your child, your parent, your wife, your teammate, about the world, about other people, about any other groups, about any, any politicians you don't like, any, uh, anyone at all you don't like, interrupt yourself, interrupt every negative thought, and be absolutely ruthless on releasing them. Now, again, we're not going to try to uh, be ruthless on ourselves or on our brains. We have negative thinking, and that's part of being human. You can tap it away. Don't get into self-recrimination if you have negative thinking, but be rigorous. If you were, if you were uh, focused on training for the Ironman triathlon, you wouldn't be out eating chocolate cheesecake every night. You know, you'd, you'd be rigorous about your training. You know, in a few months, you're going to be at the starting line. You're going to be bringing all the rigor of discipline to your activity. Be that rigorous about your thinking. Be rigorous about negative thinking. Don't let those negative thoughts creep in and say, oh, well, I'll catch them and figure that out and do that later on. Go meditate. Stop what you're doing. Go correct immediately. Tapping takes about one minute to do. And you'll do that one minute routine and immediately you'll start to self-correct. So correct yourself immediately. That way you start to build that resilient brain. So do all those things, build, build that brain and you'll feel yourself changing. You'll feel your body changing. And then your whole world becomes unbelievably wonderful and happy. Dawson, thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom, your intellect, your knowledge, your inspiration. You are an inspiration. There's no doubt about that. I have one final question. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? <clears throat> you elevate others around you by elevating yourself. In Mind to Matter, I have a whole chapter on emotional contagion. And this is epidemiology, the study of infectious diseases like COVID. And these brilliant scientists applied that to emotions. And they found that positive emotions spread around you. Your neighbor, if you're positive and happy, is about 35 times as likely to be happy, 35% like, as likely to be, to, be, to be happy. So you make your neighbor 35% happier by you being happy. You're making his neighbor about 15% happier and her neighbor, you don't even know, about 6% happier. So you just being happy, having an elevated emotional tone, people know when, they, when you walk in the room that everything is gonna lift and become light. That's powerful. You walk into the store and you're, just, you're buying a new toothbrush and you're smiling at the clerk. Maybe you have a mask on and they can't see you. 
And guess what? There's a study that shows that people can tell if you're smiling under your mask. So um, you are nice to the person. Like I, I picked up my car after repair yesterday and I just said, I just talked to the lady behind the counter and said, you've been so sweet to me every time I've phoned here into the repair shop. Thank you. You thank people. You look them in the eye. You acknowledge people. Your gardener, your housekeeper, you give them a copy of the success principles. You know, you, you, you just... You, you just become a beacon of love and light. And of course, it all just boomerangs back onto you anyway. And so that, that then becomes the, the substance of your reality. And when you are elevating yourself, you're automatically creating emotional contagion all around you, positive emotional contagion. And the ripples just spread like the butterfly effect to the furthest, furthest ends of the cosmos. Dawson, what a beautiful conversation. What an inspiring conversation. This is, this is going to change a lot of lives. I have no doubt about it. And I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. I want to thank you for sharing your, your wisdom. I want to acknowledge you for your commitment to raising the bar, to pushing not only your life, but other people around you. And I want to thank you again for being here. And I look forward to part two of our discussion, Dawson. Oh, it'll be a joy. Thanks again, Tyler. It's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you. Well, my pleasure is uh, it's all here, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, sir. What a phenomenal conversation with the great Dr. Dawson Church. I don't know about you, but I think that you need to re-listen to this one. I know I always say that, but there is so much value here. There's so much gold. There's so much transformational content in this episode. You've got to re-listen to this. You've got to share this with friends. You've got to discuss this with colleagues. You've got to discuss this with your, with your spouse, with your kids with your parents, with your brother, your sister, you know, everybody around you, you really have to discuss this. And that's not from a, hey, let's promote this podcast. But this is from a let's transform our future perspective. Let's transform what is possible for us tomorrow to, you know, the next day, the next week, the next year, the next decade, because this is the key. I mean, what we just talked about is the key. And we want to live a life of fulfillment, but we also want to live a life of unlimited abundance. Everything we talked about today is really the key to doing that. So I want to encourage you to engage with Dr. Dawson Church, his research, his books, his trainings. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes of where you can find all that. We did mention some of his websites throughout this call. And uh, you can check out blissbrain.com to find his more recent book. And you can find Dr. Dawson Church on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. And he does have a special gift for our listeners today as well. It's at DawsonGift.com. So you want to go check that out. That is a free gift for Elevate Nation. And so with all that said, I want to encourage you again to re-listen to the show, share this with a friend, share your top three key distinctions and your key, key takeaways that you will be applying to your life and your business and your mindset and so on and so forth immediately because that's the key. You've got to share because the teacher is truly who learns the most. When you give, you receive so much more. So I, I want to encourage you to do so. I want to encourage you to go out there and take massive action. Take massive action because that's where the real power is. It's not in the knowledge. It's not in the insight. It is in application. So with all that said, I just want to thank you so much for listening. Elevate Nation, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.